Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 35, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery and Minga True Value Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm the host and producer, Eric Fisher, the Big E, joined in person here by Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how are you doing, buddy? Awesome, guys. What's up? And... Ramsey is the only person joining me here this week. Justin, we delayed the episode for Justin to join us. And Justin still couldn't make it. So it is what it is. I, we do miss him. I had some questions I really want to ask him. I really want to tell him some stories here too. We had a lot to talk about. That said, it is what it is. We go on. World goes on. Episode 35. We're ready to go. First and foremost, we cannot say thanks enough to you, the listeners, and to our partners, Monkey Knife Fight and Raise Energy, repsports.com, code root 4-R-O-O-T, number 4, at repsports.com. Get 15% off any order of Raise Energy. I just got my uh, Rainbow Skittles pack ordered. It has not come yet. It's in transit. I believe I also ordered some uh, Rainbow Skittles and a variety pack 4, I believe it is. Okay. So I think I got two last time, so we're going to try. I'm not even really sure what's in the variety packs. We'll find out. Yeah. No, I, and it, I mean, if you look at the, the website, but I do need to make some more orders here. But really excited to try the new flavor. They're also in Stacked Magazine's um, Best Can Design Finals. So, I mean, not only does it taste good, and I've been basically living on it like the last two weeks because of my work schedule, can attest that, that it works and that it's really good. But also the cans are cool. They are. They they're colorful. They're uniquely designed, like the Apollo yep. one with the the Statue, the Statue Liberty of Liberty. Outside. There's eagles, American yeah. flags. It's good. It's good good stuff. stuff. So that's our partners over there. We start off the episode with what we always started off with: the positives. What we had rooted for, sponsored by Fanatics. Finally got my Bucks championship shirt in. Bucks and six. My thing Bucks is so solo. Cool. Hey man, did it? It's very nice. I just ordered some more stuff last week, so going to the Packer game this weekend, need a new Packer shirt, and they had like a clearance sale. If you and then if you ordered more than thirty nine dollars, you get free shipping. So why don't you tell the people you ordered that from just one more time? That's fanatics.com. Show your love for your team, Packers, Bucks. I got myself a Badger shirt too. Brewers are on there. Tim Brellers are on there. How many stores do they have there? Just in case. Three hundred plus. Powered stores. So you're saying there's over 300 stores. That you can More than 300 order. teams, organizations, NASCAR drivers are on there, golfers are on there. So more than likely, if you wanted a shirt from whatever sports team you pull for, you could definitely find it on Fanatics. Whether you're looking for a world champion like the Milwaukee Bucks or for you're some stupid Detroit Lions fan or Cleveland Browns fan or Dallas Cowboys fan. People are Detroit fans. Apparently, I, I know a couple. Do they even I, have a city anymore? I don't know, man. I don't know. But I heard you could buy houses there for the dollar. I, I think it went up to a dollar fifty now. Ooh, housing so, market's really hitting Detroit. Then. It really that boom that we've had this last couple of years. It's a fifty percent jump. Just incredible. So, show your love for your team with fanatics. Hashtag love on. Show that love for your team. With that, positives this week. And Ramsey, why don't you go first, your buddy? Uh, Ty Gibbs. Won again at Watkins Glen on Saturday. Saturday. So Ty Gibbs has now started 10 Xfinity starts and has won three of them as a rookie. That's incredible. He's what, like 12 years old? Um, he looks m- like he's 12. Maybe 13, 14. <laughs> no, so he's, 
he's 18, just turned 18, just signed a big deal with uh, Sport Clips. So upwards and outwards for him. He is he is the next big thing in NASCAR. Right. I don't know when it's going to happen, but... It's not that far off. It's inevitable that, especially how Joe Gibbs is currently structured with Martin Tricks Jr., Kyle Busch, and Denny Hamlin at the top, who are all over 30. I mean, Truex and Hamlin, I believe, are closer to 40. Truex is over 40. Hamlin, I believe, is turning 40. Well, and, and Kyle Busch has been rumored to be ending his career soon. Denny Hamlin has his own team right now that is in the process of getting a second, maybe third car at some point. Right. you got to figure he's going to race for himself at one point or another. They'll still keep the tech alliance with Joe Gibbs. Right. So, But there's going to be kind of a little bit of a restructure. I think Kyle Busch is going to stay around for a while. He's only 32. So he could race. I mean, in theory, he'd race around 10 years if he wanted right. to. But, yeah, so Ty Gibbs is just, you know, Justin's not a big fan of Ty Gibbs, but I believe this year his starts, he's won, like, 50% of the races he's entered. So Insane. And, again, a Hall of Fame percentage is 10, 9, sort of between 8.5 and 10 would be Hall of Fame numbers. He's won 30% of the races he's entered so far. And, and that's a small sample size, but still impressive when you're going, when you're 18 years old, going into the second tier of NASCAR and winning. And not only winning, but beating A.J. Allmendinger, who arguably is one of the best road course race drivers in the world. He's, he's a, a very slept-on racer overall, but especially at road courses. He's a formerly uh, F1. He's on Indy, IMSA. So... This guy knows how to get around track, and he Ty Gibbs passed him with mm-hmm. three to go, I think. Right. Just drove right by him. So, granted, he does probably have better equipment. However, you still need to be a driver that can actually pass him as well. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to root for our guys, Kiefer Sykes and Sam Decker. What a week they had last week. So, Sam Decker gets announced as signing a... I don't know the, the details, but he signs a deal with the Toronto Raptors, assuming he's playing Summer League. It might be the Exhibit 10 contract, uh, where you kind of have a non-guaranteed contract. Can turn into a two-way contract with the Raptors and their uh, G League team. D League? G League? G League. I always forget which one it was and which one it is now. I think it's the G League now. Um, but it, at least it gets you back into the scene. Sam hasn't played in the NBA or any NBA organization in about two or three years now. So good to him, you know, getting back into that conversation. Same thing with Kiefer Sykes, who kind of took the world by storm last Tuesday night playing in the basketball tournament, TBT, on ESPN, playing for Bayheim's Army, which is, I mean, it's a bunch of former kind of college, not has-beens, but guys who aren't in the NBA, whether they're playing overseas or just kind of picking up a basketball again for the first time in a couple years, somehow got on the Syracuse team. But went off in the championship game, including hitting the game-winning shot for a million dollars. And then immediately after that ends, gets the Exhibit 10 contract with the Pacers. So both those guys back in an NBA-type situation. So what? just real quick, Eric, what we're talking about, uh, Kiefer specifically. Right. Why don't you tell people where Kiefer is from and kind of his backstory a little bit? Yeah, so everyone knows Sam Decker, and I'm assuming a lot of our listenership probably would know Kiefer Sykes. Kiefer Sykes is... Arguably the second best Green Bay men's basketball player to ever play. You would probably argue he is the best. I mean, him and Tony Bennett are right running into yeah. uh, both 2,000 plus point scorers. 
both all you know four year letter guys at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiefer really brought Green Bay back into the mid major conversation, yeah. and, and especially in Horizon League relevance. Uh, almost knocked off Wisconsin their first year that they went to the Final Four against Sam Decker. Yeah. Uh, dunked over Frank Kaminsky, which was so cool. Um, you also saw them about two weeks later knock off Virginia at the Rush Center. And that was a team that Virginia would end up going on to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament that year, too. So not the year they lost to the UMBC. So they were, I think they actually made a pretty deep run in that tournament, too. Um, Green Bay... Got on the outside looking in, was what it was, whatever. But which was a, a tragedy. Yeah, it was Green Bay. Criminal. So this was actually the thing that made the NIT completely change its its process. So Green Bay was in the one of the first four teams out of that tournament that year because they didn't win the Horizon League tournament, and Horizon League's a smaller league, um, so they really only get the tournament champion in the dance. Um, Green Bay was one of those first four teams out. I think it was actually, ironically, Syracuse that kind of knocked them out, which would be hilarious now, but is what it is. At the time, that's when the NIT would just kind of select them at large or their teams at large. They wouldn't take the regular season champion as the number one seed. And now the first four teams out of the NCAA tournament get the automatic one seed if they choose to accept the invite to the NIT. So Green Bay was actually on the precipice and kind of one of the reasons that that rule changed because in the NIT, they ended up being a four seed in right. the NIT. Um, Kiefer actually was injured at that point, and they got bounced by Belmont, who hit like 23 pointers in that game. And actually, I think I ended up winning the NIT or making a deep run in the NIT that year. So you had a really crappy matchup in the first round that should never have happened. Well, so it was what it was. Uh, but anyway, so Kiefer Sykes has been playing overseas. He's played in Turkey. He actually was teammates with Sam Decker in Turkey in the league. Was an all-star in China. Was an all-star in South Korea. I mean, he's, he's been lighting up the, the European, European scene for... The last three years. Yeah. He had... He did play in the G League at one point for the Spurs organization, uh, the Austin Spurs Played very well. He's been he's gotten a couple summer league contracts, but now he's back in the NBA scene. Uh, first time in I believe two or three years for himself as well. Um, he actually also had a a documentary movie about getting out of Chicago because he came from a really rough area of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, teammates with Alfonso McKinney, who made a name for himself in the NBA. They were high school teammates. They were teammates at UW right. Green Bay. One of the best people you ever meet, Kiefer Sykes. Cannot say enough good words about him. I'm so happy that he gets this deal uh, and got back on the national scene. Everyone knows him for the guy as the guy who is like five. He's listed six foot. He's not six foot. No. But he has the biggest ups. He was in the national dunk contest his senior year, um, weekend of the national championship. In like I said, just posterizing dunks. He just floats. He's one of those guys that just gets up and floats. Well, and he's just crazy athletic to begin with. Like he is just. He's a knockdown shooter. Yep. He's he's everything you can want a basketball player except his height. And if, if that's a, that's a real kind of tragedy about him too is that if he would have been if he was six two, he would have been probably a first round pick. Right. Um, so anyway, so that's Kiefer Sykes, and back in the NBA scene. So cannot say enough good words about him. 
with the positives, we go to the negatives. And I, I really want to start this one. Yeah, you can go ahead. So I have two. The first one is not the one I'm most excited about. But I'm going to refer to him as the Olympic pooper. So <laughs> Ramsey and I discuss a lot of things pre-show. Um, you know, aside from this show, great friends off the mics. <laughs> I have not told him about this, but what I was going to use for this. So every four years, the Olympics kind of take, it takes over our lives in some capacity. You know, we watch all these, these events and we have our, you know, we watch basketball, we watch the main sports that we know, but we also take up the obscure sports, your ping pong, your handball, your water polo. The track and field, the swimming, it kind of just takes over. No sport had the impact on my office at work than the race walking. Have you ever watched this? Yes. So I... race walking is you have to walk 31 miles. It's 50 kilometers. You walk 31 kilometers. You are not allowed to have, you have to have one foot on the ground at all times. Your leg has to stay straight, your front leg, so you can't push off the front leg. It's this wild, like... It actually, like, scientists have said it's the most physically enduring sport of the Olympics. Well, so imagine what we're talking about, <laughs> speed walking. I'm, like, what they do running is easier. Right. Like, it would be easier to run the 31 miles than how they walk. Right. Because it looks, it's the most awkward looking. It literally looks like they are about to, that walk that you have when you're yep. about to poop your pants. That, it's that for 31 miles. And they have judges everywhere, so you can't even slip up. And you basically run or walk 25 laps on this two-kilometer track. And there's judges at, like, all these turns. You get, like, red cards for penalties and yellow cards for penalties. It's it's insane. There's this dude from France who took over the world by storm quite literally in 2016, where as he was walking, he crapped himself everywhere, like, literally leaking down his leg. And the dude was winning at the time. And I think because of the pain and, like, the mess, he ended up with, like, a 23rd or 46th place. Somewhere just fell off completely. And, like, he ruined his, ins- like, just ruined himself, quite literally. And more than just the, the ruined pair of shorts. <laughs> so I say that. That's 2016. 2021 comes along. 2020 games, whatever. So to start the race... There's this guy, these two guys from China who had like a two-minute lead on everybody. French dude comes and just powers through, takes the lead. Dealing with the pooper. The pooper. I and see where this is going. not too long after he takes the lead, you see him just veer off. He did not poop himself on the track. They don't ever say what actually happened. But you cannot tell me that he did not have to crap. And just ended up losing all momentum. Finished like in the teens or 20s again. This dude should have two gold medals, but he has to poop all the time. And granted, like I said, physically enduring sport. Like I I cannot imagine doing this, especially for 31 miles. The twisting, the motions, all this stuff. Wear a diaper or something. I don't know. I know that would probably slow you down and like you'd be uncomfortable. But you should have two gold medals. So my question is, you know, if have you ever seen the videos like people pooping in public? Yes. Unfortunately, I have seen some. I don't seek them out. 
But every once in a while, you come across one. It's a train wreck. You can't turn away, right? Right. So long story short, like, why does he not, like, move the shorts over and use it as, as strategical advantage? That's what I said at work. I want that to be very clear. Drop, I said this. Drop a nasty deuce in the middle of the track and make your competitors who have to keep a straight leg walk, walk around, around the dookie. I don't know. Like, wouldn't that be the... You wouldn't think so. Anyway, so... A very unfortunate situation. I'm not making light of his personal... I am. What but, a nerd. But, yeah. So that's Noogie 1. Noogie 2 is our own Ramsey Thompson. Yeah, I knew <laughs> this was coming. <laughs> so last weekend, as we mentioned on these very airwaves... Last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, uh, Ramsey... So one week ago today. One week ago today. Ramsey... I was basically an Olympic pooper. Kind of. Basically. Ramsey, Stop myself, uh, Megan and Josh, Shauna, and our friends Kayla and Mondo come. We went to the WIR Dixieland 250, uh, where Ty Majeski was racing, Eric Almirola was racing, William Byron was racing, number of people were racing. And the entirety of having this podcast, Ramsey has wanted to interview Ty Majeski, which... I know I don't want to give it away. We are in talks with. Like we are very much on the precipice of making this happen. So for those of you that don't know, Ty Majeski is a local product out of Seymour who part-time races in the truck series, is probably has some Xfinity starts. Has some Xfinity starts. One of the most and in even in that race, he, I mean he ended up setting the track record again that night at WIR in well, I've said it before. It's it's an absolute tragedy that this guy does not have a NASCAR ride. Like, he is... He's no, so talented behind the wheel. No offense to other NASCAR drivers, because it's not the easiest thing in the world to get to a NASCAR ride. However, he is better than their, than current drivers that are racing the Cup Series. Without a doubt. And, and, and he has proven that. I mean, he was proving that on Tuesday night. He proved it last year, and Grant, you know, it's it's guys who don't always race that series, so you can't really take it. But he beat, he literally beat Kyle Busch last year. He beat a number of drivers, including reigning champion Chase Elliott in the snowball. Yep. He regularly on on this short car circuit in the Arca Midwest Tour will beat the best in the world all he's, the time. Nope. And it's it's not close. And Grant, he's got a car that's tuned for these tracks. Yep. You know, he's this is his full time race right now. That said, so we go to WIR. We um, we decided we were going to wait for qualifying to go back to try to talk just to his camp because we want to set up this interview. And we walked back to the, the, the merchandise area, and lo and behold, there's Mr. Majeski chilling like a villain. And Ramsey leads the way. I want to make this very clear. Ramsey kind of just leads the way. And... I have known Ramsey since what middle school, so that yeah. was we're we're twenty five, twenty six now. So that was when we were twelve, thirteen, ten something years. like that. We not ten years. Minimum ten years, yeah. thirteen years, whatever. The reaction I saw to Ramsey Thompson is something I have never seen in my life. So we go to the merchandise stand, and it's kind of like holy shit. There's Tom and Jessica. Like this is what we came for, but we didn't expect it, because he was supposed and in, in, also he was supposed to be in the the top 16 drivers, they had like a whole signing that they were doing on the backside of the event. So we weren't necessarily expecting to see him there. We kind of figured he's just checking in and about to bounce. 
So we go back there, and Ramsey's going to buy a T-shirt. I was going to buy a hat. And Ramsey freezes. <laughs> in my defense, in Ramsey's defense, I should say, for a second, I did too. And I want to make that very clear. No, you don't have to defend anything. I just, the Olympic pooper. So I was technically leading the race. Right. And then all of a sudden, the pooper started flowing. And so I, I look up, and there's time and Jesse sitting to my left. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say to this fucking guy. So, so I looked at this wonderful fiance. I'm like, I'll take a t-shirt. And I just walked away. And like, I'm sitting there like, bro, what is going on? To this, even and, right now, I'm like, I still, like, I, I, I'm going to defend myself. Because even at this very second, if we could play it over, I'm still not sure what I would say to him. Like, going back up. So, <laughs> I, I'm probably, I was the guy last time I saw you that I shit my pants. <laughs> That's probably how I lead off. So, so I bought the hat. And... Everyone in our friend group decided to come with us, too. So it made it even worse. I just so we're clap my there, pants in front of everyone. We're literally sitting there and, like, not sure of, of what to, like, do we bother him right now? Is he just checking in or do we, like, talk to him? And his fiance kind of like, oh, yeah, he'll sign those for you guys if you want. And we're like, oh, shit. So Eric puts on his big boy pants, kind of gets over the moment and walks over. Gets I got my program signed for it, too. Um, start talking shop with him a little bit, so, you know, to kind of set up things, see how we can get him on the show, things like that. Ramsey is still standing by everybody else and just frozen. Yeah, I... Uh, it's like, I've met other people before. You've met cup drivers, you've met Packer players. Professional wrestlers. Professional wrestlers. Some of the best pro wrestlers in the world. And had no idea what to say at Time of Jesse. That was, the, that was my starstruck moment that I'm not really sure... Yeah, I know. I, I'm excited. I hope that we still get the interview because I'd love to. I, I've been thinking about interview questions now for uh, two weeks or yeah. a week now since we saw him. So hopefully I'm more prepared next time. But So I have a third noogie. Oh, boy. Justin might be joining us. So should we let him on the show? I mean, if he shows. All right. Joining us now, Justin Dahl. Justin, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? I am I am doing good now that I'm out of that hot, sweaty locker room, handing out football equipment to the boys. Um, it was a good day. It was a good first day uh, for the start. Technically, the, the practice season started yesterday, but we had over 100 athletes show up yesterday for an all-athletic uh, kind of barbecue for, for our kids that the coaches put on all all students. So that was a great turnout. Now, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start, we'll start uh, slinging some pads on and, and hitting coming this later this week and can't be more excited for that. I'm glad you clarified as to uh, that. Again, reminding folks that you're the football coach because you said hot, sweaty locker room. I'm just like, what are you talking about, Justin? Where are we going with this story? See, Justin, I think you should dip into the football budget and get them boys some AC. Yeah, no. Well, that's the school property. I, I'm not. I'm not touching that one. When we get the team locker room that we're fundraising for underneath the the bleachers, I'll probably get that done. I got people. Get the boys some AC. I like that idea. All right, Justin. Yeah. So you joined us just in time to discuss our nugget of the week. So I will let you start off here. What is your nugget of the week, and anything else we need to catch up on you here with? Yeah, no. My nugget of the week is pretty simple. It's all. It's all of. Uh, all the haters and the pundits that really wrote off 
what was going on with USA basketball and specifically the haters that were really pushing up on uh, Popovich and, and how he doesn't have control of the team and yada yada. Well, guess what? They won a gold medal. Shut your yap. Go back to your keyboard and, and, and try to rag on somebody else because Pop got the job done. He brought home another gold medal for what, what was that? Five straight gold medals for uh, USA men's basketball. Just, just an unbelievable stat. That, Pretty sure it's three, four, four. I, th- I thought it was five. No, they lost. Right? They lost 2004 to. Yeah, 2004 was a really big that was down year. 2008, so 12, 16, no. Oh, yeah. That's probably because so, they didn't have LeBron, right? LeBron, LeBron did play in 2004 as a 19-year-old. That's probably why they lost, because he was only 19. I like for real. That is part of like Carmelo Anthony was on that team, and it was a super young team. Which, oh man, did you guys hear? Never mind. That's totally off base. But anyways, all the pundits that hated on USA basketball, lights out. So I was one of the pundits. Congratulations. I will still defend the fact that, yeah, they should have beat France. Like, yeah, that should have happened. And there was a point in that game where, what, it was a four-point game at the end? Four or five? It wasn't that USA should have been blowing them out. I will say, though, I never bad-mouthed Greg Popovich. I think it's the whiny-ass NBA players that go over there and then someone mans them up for once, and yep. they curl... So I did pick the USA men's basketball team to not win the gold medal. However, not due to like Greg Popovich. I would never, ever badmouth Greg Popovich. I think he's probably one of the greatest coaches of all time. But yep. I, I, yeah, I thought that the USA was going to crumble because they're a bunch of soft asses. Hmm. So Ramsey, you're going to the week? I'm gonna go with I'm not I don't have a noogie of the week. I'm just gonna go for another um what I rooted for. The double coverage of NASCAR for they did Watkins Glen and then directly after that they did a the indie or the Music City Grand Prix. So Street Circle Track for IndyCars race in Nashville. And before that they had Imson. So Sunday I spent all day I watched Imson in the beginning, then went over to NASCAR, then watched the Music City Grand Prix. All three great races. Um, so I would say hats off to NBC for facilitating a, literally a day full of racing content. I know we talked about it, but are you going to give yourself a nugget at all, or are we just going to let my No, go? you gave it to me. I, I'll, I'll just accept it and That's just right. move on with life. <laughs> All right, so Justin, we did our nuggies. We did what we rooted for. Do you have anything that you had rooted for specifically here in the last week? Uh, no, not really. Um, just, you know, USA winning the medal count in the Olympics, that's probably, you know, the, the generic easy thing to kind of get this show moving on and, and uh, you know, beating China once again, sticking it to them Chinese guys again. So go USA. All right, good stuff. So we go into our trip around the state of Wisconsin, and we start with what's brewing with Eric. So just a kind of a little update here on our, our Milwaukee Brewers. As of recording time here, they are six games up in the NL Central. They are currently in a rain delay against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, just got off 
a two-game losing streak, unfortunately, to the Giants, who have the best record in baseball. Uh, a couple things with that series. First of all, realistically should have swept that series. Uh, the bullpen health was depleted because of the COVID running through the team. So they were playing at a very, very minimal, light bullpen that gave up games in the ninth and in extra innings. Uh, this team did rally on Saturday night to tie the game after being down four or down three and then tenth and made a valiant effort to bring it back after giving up four in the eleventh. So, um, like I said, depleted bullpen, really weak bullpen, still was able to take one from a very good Giants team coming off a, I believe, a sweep of the Pirates last week and playing some very good baseball today against the Cubs. Uh, NL Central still is running through Milwaukee and very likely, all likelihood, will run through Milwaukee uh, going forward here the rest of the season. Yeah, pretty rough weekend for them. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, if there's a time, you know, there's never really, a. it's one of those things, there's never really a good time for the COVID to hit or or to have an injury bug or, you know, whatever common thing you can say per year. But now's the time to have that kind of happen. You, you've really got... Uh, a, a nice little lead that you can kind of put in a bank and, and see what you got with some of the other guys that are out there that can, that can really, I'll tell you Tyrone Taylor or whatever his name is. He, he's yeah, you played know that, pretty well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been incredible. I mean, one thing I, you know, Matt points out too is the health of the team. And when you're getting these guys, you know, guys who are kind of on the outside looking in at times, um, things kind of write themselves out, whether that be somebody going on the injured list or, not saying you want COVID, like you said, very, you know, very well spoken, Justin, but things kind of write themselves out in a very kind of a time if you're going to face it, kind of let it run through the team now where at the very least, you know, a lot of these guys were vaccinated too, um, but, you know, more immunity now going forward. So they're I'm not saying that they're in the clear, but in a very good position here to avoid that kind of running back through the team as the next three months go on. Um, so that said, you're right. You know, like I said, things write themselves out. Tyrone Taylor's played incredible baseball. Really kind of the last two years have been so instrumental. Really, I mean, if you go back to the last three years, because he was kind of one of those prospects that was, I don't want to say forgotten about and kind of on the outside looking in, but that's exactly kind of where he was, where there wasn't really a clear path to him to get to the majors. He was playing okay in AAA. Looks like he might be just one of those guys that plays in AAA for their whole baseball career. Nothing wrong with that, but that's kind of what he looked like and has really just been an instrumental part of this team the last, really all season, parts of last year and parts of the year before. So hats off to Tyrone Taylor and, and a lot of these other guys. And uh, today we've seen Yelich come back over the week when we've seen other members of the bullpen come back over the weekend and uh, getting two of their bullpen arms healthy uh, Hunter Strickland and Cousins, very instrumental as well. So good yeah. things brewing in Milwaukee. I can't believe that we're not going to talk about John Axford here. Yeah, John Axford. Um, the cash considerations trades, so he really didn't give up much. I think it was very minimal cash. Made it was a dollar, third. wasn't it? A I, dollar? I believe it was. Dollar? That was kind of, I don't know if that was the running joke around Twitter, if that was actually what it was. But uh, he pitched technically a third of an inning last week in his his return to Milwaukee. Kind of a feel-good moment that uh, fizzled out pretty quickly. He uh, 
ended up having sh- pretty significant structural damage to his arm in that third of an inning. Um, so the, the John Axford happy ending, unfortunately, not so happy. But, uh, yeah, I forgot. I had actually kind of forgotten about that because it's, it's been a week and change since that happened. But that, that is something that did indeed happen. Poor John Axford. I feel bad for John so Axford. So could I hire John Axford for the said dollar to come work for me? Hey, maybe he'll come on our podcast. Maybe. I'll still, I'll still let him, you know. He's got radio experience. He does. He's got broadcasting experience. He's got nothing to do for probably about a year now. Right. Rehab. Well, right, but nothing to do with his evenings. He's not, he's not in the ball club. <laughs> so I think, I, Sorry, I think I'm going to buy his contract me. for the dollar. <laughs> All right. So that is what is brewing with Eric. Justin, why don't you give us our, your Badger report here? So, not not too much to go with the Badger report, but there was a, a a pretty significant loss to to the Badgers team. Um, Titus told a, about a, a four-star safety that was going into his red shirt freshman year was going to compete for um, a depth position and maybe by the end of the year kind of squeak his way into a. Uh, starting role maybe um unfortunately has left the team because he has not been medically cleared he is still enrolled at wisconsin and there's hope that he'll be able to come back at some point this did just happen to another um safety so it really impacts the team um in Reggie Pearson, who is now enrolled at Texas Tech, uh, Wisconsin did not clear him medically. He uh, so uh, the the safety position has really taken a hit. It sounds like there's a couple freshmen that are really uh, taking off in in um, in camp so far, uh, namely a, a defensive end, outside linebacker type of character, and Daryl Peterson. Peterson. Um, so the depth on the line, the depth at linebacker is really good. The depth at cornerback is pretty good, uh, but the the depth at safety, especially uh, um, free safety, is just really taking a hit. So they're going to have to find some guys that could step up. Um, on the recruiting end, there's nothing really new there. Uh, they did not gain or lose any commits. So uh, yeah, just they they're really starting to to gain traction towards the season, just a little, little bit, uh, a month away. So exciting time. We got to start doing a, uh, a good preview on these guys in the, in the near future. here. Yeah, so. definitely something to, to look forward to here. Um, do have a couple of follow-up questions. I know I wanted to ask Renzi. Do you, you have anything here? No. Uh, so I did want to ask first, um, on the Badger football note, what are your thoughts on those gladiator caps? that they're running around practice with right now? Uh, I think, um, I think they're actually a, a terrific idea. And you, you know, it's not like they're out there for show right now. You, we're not, you know, you, anything you can do to limit the risk of injury and specifically with the day and age that we are with what CTE is and, and how how studied that is. Anything we can do to limit that 
um, on a day-to-day basis, I- I'm all for it. So it may look kind of stupid, but the pure function of them is outstanding. And a lot of guys are moving to that in seven-on-seven seven stuff in when they're not supposed to hit or, or, or even in flag football. I know that I've looked into it for our youth to, to kind of wear that for flag football because we're transitioning from uh, third, fourth, and fifth graders from tackle into, into flag football and then just kind of introducing tackle football at sixth grade. Um, so uh, the time is changing, the look is changing, but the functionality is also changing for the better. I have a feeling Ramsey. He Ramsey looks perplexed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want you, I want you to Ramsey's, know, we, we kind of had a conversation. Ramsey's to the wall, though, right now. So. We had a conversation about this before we recorded, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of them. I, I get their usefulness. I do have my my concerns with them, mainly that if because that that's one of the things is like when when players and and this is on coaching too, and I'm not this is not an attack on you, Justin. I want to make that very clear. But as yep. when coaching, and especially like you said, youth football, the reason there's so many injuries is that they're not taught proper technique. They're not taught, you know, it's just. You learn how to tackle later. You're learning how to tackle at an athletic disadvantage. And that's what can lead to the most injuries. So my thought, personally, like I said, I'm very much against it, especially at the college game, um, where you're probably not having high contact practices the way it is either. And if you're kind of banking on players not having to necessarily tackle and hit properly in practice because they have that extra cushion, per se... I don't know if that's a good thing for college football or for the game as a whole when you're practicing and not necessarily having to practice properly. And, and concussions are inevitable. That, that's when you play sport, any sport really, but when you play football, it's not necessarily a matter of if, it's a matter of when in most capacities. So if you're kind of getting to play, and there's the risk of learning to play a little bit lazier. So... I'm asking you, I'm going to ask you a question okay. off of what you just said. Are you saying that we should practice concussions? Not at all. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is my concern is if you're, if you're practicing an equipment that has extra padding, you are not. You can take shortcuts in your fundamentals. Right. If you have extra. Quite literally, extra cushion. Right. You can take shortcuts on fundamentals. And I th- but so we'll rewind just a quick second. And personally, and I understand that this always sounds outdated when I say a show like this. And I don't know, maybe I just, I'm outdated at 26 now. I think it's ridiculous that our concussion is a problem in football. Sure. And that's fine. And I think that that is a issue that has been reported on immensely. However, I will say this, talking about concussions in football, I truly believe the problem is closer to a three than a nine. And if you look at any information on it, people always say the world is ending. We should not be playing football. We should not be playing. It's 
It's terrible for the children. It's causing issues. Right. So we're seeing CTE and former NFL players that were playing 30 years ago with half of the technology that goes in the helmets that we have currently with no proper tackling fundamental drills. And yeah, do I ever want to see a kid get a concussion? No, I don't. However, from firsthand experience, if you sign up to play football, you have inherent risk of having injury. And if you sign your child up to play football, they have inherent risk for injury. And in my personal experience with this, if you are waiting to start kids till sixth grade to hit, that is terrible. It's going to lead to more injuries down the road because you're starting later. Where when I started playing, and this was again 10 or 15 years ago now, so I'm an old man, more we, than that. we started in third grade. Third grade, and I would say even at third grade, when I was coming up and going through the systems, it was not properly taught tackling fundamentals. So I do think that there is a very fine line of, I, I think that if you're going to start playing football at a high contact level, you should start young to have time to develop proper tackling fundamentals. And the other part of that, you need to learn how to fall. The I would say in my time playing, I saw about three or four pretty substantial injuries, right? And three of the four were to people who started late. Now, I'm not saying that's coincidence. I'm not saying that's necessarily the same case for everyone else. But you do learn how to fall, especially when you start at a younger age. You learn how to take a hit. And the like I said, about three of the four serious injuries that I saw were people not learning how to fall. And that's how you tear an ACL. That's how you tear. I saw it three, happen three times. That someone didn't know how to fall, stood up to a hit, and then twisted their knee wrong and tears the ACL or takes an unnecessary risk for a hit. So, and I know I'm outdated. I know this is going to be one of those things that. Oh, we're about to get canceled. Yeah, we're going to get canceled <laughs> for it. But at the end of the day, if you are signing your kid up to play a contact sport, or your kid wants to play a contact sport, you sign off on that. You are also signing off on the fact that he is not going to be 100% safe. He or she. I'm sorry. I've kind of forgot to that time now. But there, there's inherent risk, just like there's anything else. So I, in my personal opinion, it's better to start younger than wait till later in life. Yeah. Um, and I, Justin, and I, 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 don't, Justin, I know you're in a position. I don't necessarily want you to comment on that. We can talk about it off air because yeah. I don't want to get a, you it's in It's just off. such a touchy subject. Yep. There, honestly, there's not a win. The only win that you can do um, is play it as safe as you can. At, at the problem that I... I and our club, as we transition to it, is that we don't feel, and I think this is not just my community, I think it's a lot of communities, we don't feel that we have the amounts of coaching ability for our youth 
to be taught successfully to be hitting. And, and that's something that, yeah. Rams, that and I, Rams and I talked yeah. about bef- when we were having this conversation off air was that to coach a youth level, or really at any level, I think there should be some level of like safety certification that you have to take because that's the biggest problem that we kind of face in youth football. And, and that's one of the reasons that there's such a an attitude of, and, and you know, if you don't have the, if you can admit that you don't have the, the capacity to take care of it, then you're, you guys are doing absolutely the right thing. Well, and I respect that 100%. And I don't want to go, I don't want to come off as saying like, oh, we should have kids going out and just smashing into each other at 12. Like, that's not what I necessarily mean. Because you've got to learn it safely. You've got to learn you, it properly. And, and if you don't have the coaching staff to do it, and that's kind of the problem that you run into is, you know, especially when you don't, you know, when you get in these smaller schools and there's a, there's a, a really poignant, I'm going to say, uh, article that was done a couple years back by um, the the writers escaping Reed Forgraves in GQ about uh, Zach Easterling, who they call the concussion diaries about this guy who never played above high school football ended up having really bad case of CTE ended up killing himself, and it's kind of like you know Podunk farm town and I think Iowa or Minnesota. Um, that just they never had the coaching staff, you know. It's just it's a bunch of dads running. Around. This is not disparaging those who volunteer, but if you don't have that that I'm not even gonna say safety course, but if you don't have that, you know, if you're playing like how you, the way you were taught, and not you know just getting volunteers and not having that kind of checks and balances, you're gonna have a lot of bad form. You're gonna have guys putting their head down who are doing it to get the the small town high school football glory. And it doesn't mess. The form doesn't matter. The injuries don't matter. And it's a. You're right. It's a very messy situation. So uh, definitely. So I and just to re hit a topic real quick while we're talking about it. I don't know about how it was in Jill, but I can speak for Surin specifically. When I was about a sophomore, freshman, and his freshman year to mm-hmm. a sophomore, we really transitioned from breaking bad habits. Right. In our football program, right? So, and how everyone was 15 years ago, you were kind of taught to drop your head when you hit. And you kind of were taught to kind of lead with your head coming forward. Not necessarily taught, but that's kind of the habits that you started to form because that was the most effective way to do it. Right. And I know when, so when I was in high school, we went through a big transition phase on doing fundamental drills all the time to get better tackling at fundamentals. Well, and that's, if you remember correctly, Ramsey, that is when, I believe it was our sophomore or junior years, when baseline testing was introduced as mandatory for the state of Wisconsin. See, we had baseline starting as an eighth grader, I believe. Mandatory. Mandatory was, was, I think, I want to say sophomore year, maybe freshman year. I don't remember. It was early on, though. Early on in high school. Um... And and it's all about your set, like you said, just fundamental, kind of correcting those mistakes. And you have to have a dedicated coaching staff. And this is again, I, I yep. believe Justin and you and your squad, hundred percent are on the right side of this and doing the right things. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have it available, you you do have to take those precautions. So absolutely, heads up. Great, you know, root for you here this week too. Well, I appreciate that, guys. I know it's a touchy subject. It was tough for our club to kind of make that decision as we've been entrenched in in, in a way for such a long time. But we can't keep relying as we as the older generation starts to 
to age themselves out. We can't keep relying on those guys to continue teaching the correct and proper things. And and we're trying to to build a different type of culture and and uh, to to increase numbers and, and to increase the enjoyment of of football and and really the enjoyment of the quality of of game that parents can enjoy and and feel safe sending their kids to to really um watch a game and and, and play a game and, and and feel safe keep bringing their kids to to my football field and and, and letting them play so I appreciate the kind words, guys. Boy, that was a hell of a Badger report there. Yeah, I was going to have there, another question, actually. Not not yeah, football related. I was going to say, was there a basketball question? There was a basketball I question. Have, um, I have a I have a, I have a assumption that is probably about Mr. Orlando Tucker. It is about Mr. Orlando Tucker. I know we had talked about this a number of weeks ago, and um, as a story was breaking about the, the uh, anonymous leak <laughs> of the, the privately recorded conversation with the players and the coaching staff, we found out it was Alonzo Tucker that took the the recording and and kind of allegedly allegedly uh, took the recording. So I guess Justin, any updates here on that and your thoughts? So the the story behind the Wisconsin State Journal, or I think it was the Wisconsin State Journal who published it, was that Alonzo Tucker was trying to attempt a coup and get Greg Gard fired and had went to Barry Alvarez and said that he was ready to become the head coach whenever Gard got fired. And he really kind of had the players not listening to Gard. And, and if you watched any of the Badgers of last sense. year, you could really see that, that, that story, that part of the story might be true. Um, and then when you talk about the meeting they had with guard, and then you talk about um, what those players had said to guard, uh, that, if true, is an amazing, amazing story. Uh, A, that guard was able to survive this all the way through um, just because uh, of, of where the team was, where they are now, the disappointment of all of it, um, and more, more or less the, the, the disappointment of the players within the coach. Um, so uh, to survive it, I think, is, is, is outstanding. And how ballsy of a move is that by Alano Tucker, a guy who played professionally in the NBA and overseas, but really... He only got the job because the assistant coach was in a horrific car accident. And, and now Alano Tucker was a two-year assistant coach. Uh, the reality of it is, is that if that if guard were to get fired, Alano Tucker would not have been on top of the food chain for the job in-house. That job would have went to Joe Krabenhoff in a heartbeat. So incredible. On, it's an incredible story on so many levels. Alano Tucker has come out and blatantly denied anything that has to do with this story. 
in, in what happened. Um, so. See, here's, here's my biggest kind of question mark on the situation. It's a crazy story. Is, and like I said, I think I said this back when the story broke. When Greg Gard, and granted, you know, roles change when you become the head guy. But when Greg Gard was the assistant coach behind Bo Ryan, he was number two. Greg Gard yep. was the most beloved assistant coach. And and maybe there is a, just a transition where maybe he's just a career assistant. You know, maybe he's like one of like a, a Josh McDaniels or any number of any former Patriots that we can kind of point to uh, that were in that Belichick tree that never just really panned out as a head coach. And and that's a whole, mm-hmm. you know, not known conversation. But when you watch, and, and, you know, maybe it's just kind of being swept up in, in the emotional moment, but when you watch, like, a lot of the Badgers' senior videos, like when senior day happens, when Bo Ryan was the head coach, it was not just Coach Ryan, but it was Greg Gard was continuously time after time and time and time again. And I remember watching a lot of Tucker's a video when it happened because I was such an Alana Tucker fan of his at, at Wisconsin. And he could not say ni- enough nice things about Coach Gard. As, like I said, just the rest of, you know, every player who's went to Wisconsin always pointed to Greg Gard as the assistant coach. So my question is, is it because, is it maybe just like a, a different, maybe like a youth factor with Tucker where maybe he just identified with the players more and maybe was saying what they were thinking or believe that he just had their kind of universal support in that? Was it a power-hungry move, or was there something – is there more that we haven't seen yet, or any number of that combination of things? I think, I think, it's, I think it's pretty spelled out that it was a power-hungry move. Um, that the, the report says that he was undermining guard, telling um, players not to listen to guard, and not to run the plays that guard was running. Um, and then when you hear the, the, the words out of the meeting where we're not here to build your, what, what, do you remember what those words were? Like, we're not here to build up your, it was like, we're not here uh, to resume. build your resume. I believe was the exact, the quote. So when you hear words like that, that pretty much spells out exactly where stuff like that is coming from. Like the players are not going to come up with that themselves. You know what? Do you, do you feel what I'm saying on that? Because there's no way uh, in my time as a coach that a play, no, obviously a different level, but in my time as a coach that players would ever think about saying something, you know, they would just never come up with that themselves. So See, I, I don't know about that. And, and he, the reason I, then I'm just going to take a, just a quick detour here before we get on the next topic is just that I kind of do think that might be kind of player-based because it's not really like a, a grand scheme of things picture. Like, it's very emotional in the sense that, I mean, Wisconsin basketball has kind of been one of those programs where you're not exactly leaving as a, if you're a coaching staff, there's not a whole lot of, upside for a head coach to leave that kind of a program. And so to build, continue building a resume, it, it's kind of a phrase where it's like, where in the hell did that come from? And so yeah, you're probably right, but it also kind of sounds like an emotional player like that could have come off the cuff. I'm not saying that that was Alonzo Tucker because I would think that Alonzo Tucker would kind of have that more in check of Greg Gard has nowhere else to be. You know what I mean? I, I get what you're saying. 
I just don't, I, 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 you know, I don't know. This is the, the Badger fan in you in, in knowing what Alondo Tucker has meant to UW basketball over his time really makes you want to believe that this is absolutely not true and that Alondo Tucker is just the fall guy for a Well, no, I, 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 I believe that he had a very significant role in this. My biggest question is just, like I said, I'm really curious if it was if it was players who kind of led the charge behind the scenes and just went to Tucker because Tucker was the cool guy who they got along with and was the guy who played in the pros and, and you know, all that stuff. Or if he was the one saying, hey, I played in the pros, come to me, and was the one kind of going off the charge. Or maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. But um, with that, we have one more thing to kind of get into here, and that is Ramsey's Radar. Not a good week for you last week, Ramsey, in, in the predictions and, and the hot takes here. Uh, predicting that That's the US, two weeks in a row. Predicting that the U.S. would, would not win the gold. They did. Uh, we're still a ways out from your other co- prediction of Hendricks not winning the, the NASCAR championship, but another one-two finish from Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. I, it's too early to judge that one, but I know we addressed it earlier, but just not a great week for you on, on last week's takes. What do you got for us this week? So I don't know if you guys saw, but Josh Allen just signed for $250 million for... <laughs> so Josh Allen got a big contract over the last week in here. Right. And 150 million guaranteed. 150 guaranteed. That's more than Patty Mahomes. So where I'm going with this is there's only two quarterbacks that are left from that draft class to not be signed. Lamar and well, they'd be Baker. Three. Baker. Technically, uh, Josh Rosen too, but we don't call him Josh Rosen. <laughs> He's not really a quarterback anymore. So Josh. Allen got a big contract, who I think we can all agree probably deserved the contract he's going to get. It's pretty team-friendly for the most part. It's a long, it's a long deal, but again, it's, about three, it's actually really a three-year deal when it comes down to it. I know it's signed for six, but Patrick Mahomes probably also deserved his deal. Um, so the last two we're talking about is Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Right. Both of those guys are going to get massive contracts. Both of those are gonna be massive fails. All right, that's my big that's my big take. I I'm gonna say Baker Mayfield probably gets the same around the same money, and it's not necessarily because Baker's that talented, just because it's Cleveland and Cleveland's gonna do the wrong thing, and there's no real backup plan. Lamar Jackson, I think, is gonna be more of a when that athletic ability fades a little bit. He's not a special, right? His special is, wow, he's one of the fastest players on the field. And he's given, got a pretty good arm. And his, his arm's okay. But he, when that athletic ability fades a little bit, is he going to be able to overcome that as a passer in the NFL? I don't think so. I don't think his arm's there. And like I said, Baker's going to get this deal. All of a sudden, some of those pieces are going to start being around him, and it's going to be the same thing with Carson Wentz. We're looking at this. $70 million left on this deal and you can't move them anywhere. So I have such an interesting question for you, Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And this is direct. It directly affects that division for such a long time. The better quarterback five years from now, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield. 
I would have to say, I, if I had to put money, I'd say Baker Mayfield in five years is probably the better quarterback. I don't necessarily think, I don't, so my, the main point that I'm going to get back to is I don't, we don't want to be married to either one of them. We're talking. Football speaking. And, well, relationship <laughs> speaking too. But they, and I, I do like Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson's a good player. As much as I rip on Baker, I think he's okay. But the problem that we run into in the NFL, and I think this is what's going to happen with Dak Prescott, you can't pay okay great money. It's never worked out. It's not ever going to work out. You can't overpay for a player that is going to inherently underachieve because you can't put the pieces around them anymore. There's about, in my opinion, probably about five quarterbacks in the league that you could pay guaranteed money to that's going to cover up issues for your team. Everyone else after that needs help around them. So, again, so we're going to go back to it. I think that Baker Mayfield in five years from now, I think will still be a starter in the league. But I don't think that he's going to be – he's going to be better than Lamar Jackson. We'll put it there. All right. Derek, what do you think? I'd probably lean Baker as well. I, I, that's it. I'm a, I'm a fairly big Baker fan, all things considered. Actually, and so I, I had talked to uh, I had talked about this off air, but very excited for the debut of Hard Knocks this year with uh, Dallas. Yeah. I really want to see that, and I really kind of I mean I liked Baker at Oklahoma a lot. I really I didn't see him being a number one overall pick per se at the time. I mean I was kind of actually hoping that the Packers maybe go the route of drafting Baker Mayfield that draft because that's when they were. I believe that was the Rashawn Gary draft where they were picking 12. Yeah. Um, so I was really kind of leaning towards maybe he does fall to 12 and, and Green Bay scoops him up and kind of gets the situation we're at now. But regardless, um, but Hard Knocks was like where I really became a, a massive Baker Mayfield fan uh, to the point where, A, because he was just so lights out entertaining and he's pretty good, all things considered. Um don't don't you dare fight me on that. This is not the conversation I want to have right now. This is about hard knocks. Um, but also just how much of a doofus Hugh Jackson is. And the funniest part about that season hard knocks, so that was like the really the first season I've ever watched hard knocks. And that was something my dad and I would watch on Tuesday nights. And we would watch it, and it was just it was so entertaining. Uh, because the the team gets final say in what actually gets out in that week that week's episode. And they still made Hugh Jackson look so bad. So I don't know if that was a, a, was a combination of Hugh Jackson just being that blindly up his own ass of, of yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. This is what's going in the episode. Or if somewhere in management, like somewhere like, I don't know, team president or ownership or like GM was like, yeah, Hugh, keep it going. Just trying to push him out the door faster and kind of like show the whole world how much of a jackass he was. But um, so I'm really excited for Hard Knocks tonight and, and, but I, yeah, Baker Mayfield over Lamar, without a doubt. I can't believe a Baker Mayfield versus Lamar Jackson conversation turned into Hugh Jackson. Hey, that's the Rufus Any, Scottson show. Baby. Anytime we can shit on Hugh Jackson, though. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Just like the Olympic pooper. <laughs> um, so you said Baker Mayfield was good. All things considered, he's a Top half starting quarterback. We've discussed this before. Not going to run through the math. Yeah, but he's short. Okay. He has an okay arm. He's not athletic. He's an okay leader. 
where's the good? He's, he, okay, he's maybe a good leader. That's what Dak Prescott is, too. You don't pay for intangibles that you can't transfer to the field. That's how you end up with Kirk Cousins. That's um, who Baker is. That's who Baker and Dak both are is Kirk Cousins. He's a playoff-winning quarterback. That's, that's what I care about right now. That's the conversation we're going to have on this, this episode. He has won a playoff game. And then got smoked yep. by Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes stays healthy. That game's not close. It's not, but that's not what happened in the game. They would have got, got beat by Buffalo, too. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. That's not, the episode, that's not the conversation for this episode. We can do that later. Nope. But so with that, just a nice little transition here. From <laughs> hard knocks and training camp, we talk Grandma Packers training camp. Uh, with the upcoming start of the preseason, officially preseason games happening this weekend, I've taken some time to uh, to go to a couple practices now, and I watch family night on on Saturday night, which is also practice at Lambeau Field at this point. It used to be a scrimmage, but it's practice. It's training camp, but just in front of eighty thousand instead of a couple thousand. And some real, I think this team's gonna be pretty good. Um, and I know we've kind of said that they were a 13-3 team last year. They really, you know, we've said before that they kind of bring everybody back. There's a lot to be excited about, and there's a really a different energy around camp this year. Yeah, because people are there. Well, that too. But I'm even comparing that to 2019 <laughs> when people were there, Justin. Oh, well. I would agree with Ramsey. If we're, you know, if we're staying status quo with people from 2019, then... You know what the hell are we doing? But I'm I seriously I, do ask that question. I don't I and I know we've had this conversation before, but we keep running back the same thing over and over and over again, and we've done nothing to try to get better. And for what it's worth, the last three years we've been absurdly healthy. So what happens when we have a big injury, and we? I, that's I think the Packers are good. I think they're a good team. I think that they're probably a playoff team as things currently set. They play in a pretty crappy division. So they should win 10 games at minimum 10, if not 12 again. But I don't know if they're going to be able to go over the hump again because, they, again, they haven't. With, they are right there. And that's. I think that they're a good enough team to be in a Super Bowl contender. I think they're probably the f- fourth or fifth best roster in the league as things currently sit. They have a good enough defense to win a championship. They have a good enough offense to win a championship. I guess at this point it kind of comes down to are we going to try to kick a field goal or if we're going to go for a touchdown. And I guess it kind of comes down to if our quarterback's going to be a head case or not. So it, it's, it's growth, right? Like the, the real answer about it is growth. Like, and this is what, Green Bay is always dependent on and 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 kind of um, set their future or, or what their their game plans on is growth. You know how we've always had a young roster. We're we're trying to get a young roster. We draft and develop. It's growth. Well, that stands pat and stands true with our leader, our head coach, right? What did he learn from that decision? What could he have possibly done different? Would he have done it the same? Would he have been more concise about it? Uh, so there, it's just growth. If the Packers show growth, they're a Super Bowl team. 
So uh, I don't necessarily hate the fact that we're kind of status quo and we're not because we've added a couple pieces, a right tackle, uh, somebody that's going to really spell um, the loss of David Bakhtiari here uh, and, and allow Elton Jenkins to play out of position in, in Kelly at right tackle and, and let Billy Turner really return to where he shines at right guard. Um, it's adding Cobb. It's, it's bringing back Funches. It's, it's small subtle moves. It, it's a first round pick of, of, of Eric Stokes, uh, allowing us to have another solid uh, defensive back, hopefully, right? It's growth. So if we grow as a team, uh, I think that, you know, easily could be a Super Bowl team for sure. Well, like I said, I think they're a good enough roster to win a Super Bowl, and I, I would never – sure, they have growth. I, I go back to the main point that the Green Bay Packers over the last three seasons, right? Matt, this is Matt LaFleur's third season, correct? Correct. So since Matt LaFleur has been in Green Bay, they have not had the injury bug. So I'm not sure if that's necessarily due to Matt LaFleur and how he's running stuff, or if that's due to an excellent training staff, keeping guys healthy. or a combination if, of both. Or if it's just a pure luck thing. So that's the thing with professional sports. Well, that's the thing for everyone aside from Tom Brady. There's no luck with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is all planned out. But for everyone else, there is a... Because even like the Kansas City Chiefs, right, for the last three years of this run they've been on, they have been incredibly healthy. Green Bay Packers have been on a very similar run, maybe not quite as much success, but they have been absurdly healthy. So I guess, and I, I've had this kind of, I'm still not necessarily sold on Matt LaFleur as being a great coach. I think Matt LaFleur has a good roster. I think Matt LaFleur has a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I'm really, I'd be really curious to see what the team would look like if Aaron Rodgers happens to come out week one has a collarbone issue, is out for six, eight, nine weeks, and sees what Green Bay does at that point. Um, I, I do think that even if they can, I think Jordan Love will be serviceable enough to probably make it through. I'm sure Eric will have some reports on Jordan I do Love. have some reports on, on So that'd be team. probably an excellent segue. So, excellent work, Ramsey. Um, Boom. Segway. Let's start with the, the Jordan Love conversation, because that's really... This is the first time fans are getting eyes on him. I heard he threw a ball 102 miles an hour. Is that true? I don't have a radar gun, so I cannot confirm. I heard he threw a ball 104 miles an hour. Again, cannot confirm. I heard he might have had flames. I heard he threw a ball 104 yards. I cannot confirm that either. I heard 105 yards. (laughs) What I will say, dickheads, um, what I will say, to this point, so I walked away from practice last week. When I went last Tuesday, kind of feeling, eh. I mean, the energy was there, the team. I mean, it was the first day of pads, so there was some transition. A lot of guys were kind of struggling that you wouldn't expect. You know, I think Devontae had a couple of drops. Aaron wasn't exactly the sharpest in that practice. And that, that's normal, That's though. relatively you normal. pads on, it's a different game. Right. So, but I walked away, you know, from that practice seeing a lot of positives on Jordan Love. And as as you would hopefully expect from your first-round quarterback uh, that you're seeing for the first time. Jordan Love, last week, Tuesday, very good in the one-on-ones. 
when he's, you know, just when it's a receiver versus cornerback, he's accurate, he's precise, he's got the cannon to get a ball there, whether it be, you know, if it's downfield or if it's just hitting a small gap with just in the seam route. Lots of positives there. I was a little nervous, and this is something I actually talked to Mason about last week, and I don't want to spoil him when he does come back on here, spoil one of his takes he's going to have. But Jordan Love was kind of a little ha- getting some happy feet in the, in the pocket, and especially when he knows he can't get hit and just not being, you know, the most concise with the decision um, was a little worrisome. Watching practice on Saturday night on TV, I felt a lot better about Jordan Love. Again, you know, staying in the pocket, stepping up in the pocket, making those throws, having the confidence to kind of dissect and figure out where to go with the route. Walked away from practice today feeling even better about that, like th- that the growth is there even in practice with, you know, kind of the pads are on. Um, you know, he's not necessarily worried about kind of pulling a Brett Favre and getting his receiver killed over the middle, but he puts the ball very good positioning to where the receiver can get the ball in coverage. He makes the right reads a lot. Um, again, still some some concerning thing. I know that the, a lot of the media is going to point out his last throw of practice in the two-minute drill from the five-yard line was a Malik Taylor. Technically, I think it was a slant route, but it ended up being like a short post route from the five. Um, just missed it a little long on the back of the end zone. Technically, the drill was still a win, though, because it was a, the scenario was tie game. You got him down to the five from the 20, or you know, the opposing 20. Had some very big chunk plays in there in the two-minute drill. Very good things. Um, missed one throw in that drill. Lots more confident, though. He had hit uh, Jace Sternberger on a cross route for a big chunk. He hit uh, Deion, DeAndre Tompkins on a uh, fade route down the sideline to get them to first and goal with, uh, I believe it was 20 seconds left from the nine-yard line. So a lot of very good things. I mean, we saw the, the ball that Reggie Bagleton dropped on double coverage in the end zone on family night. Uh, making the good reads, got the cannon, got the accuracy, getting there with the playbook. Uh, so well, go for it, Ramsey. I I've had an opinion on Jordan Love, and it might not be necessarily a fair opinion on him, but due to other comps that we've had in the lead, and you know, this isn't fifteen years ago. Even when Aaron came in, quarterbacks are so much more developed now coming out of high school. They're running NFL-style offenses in middle school. So high school, you're running NFL-style offenses. You're running spreads. You're having quarterback reads. And then you get to the college level, and you're still having professional-level competition. So... I don't really have patience for quarterbacks at this point. You either have it or you don't. And for the most part, every other quarterback, you've been able to figure it out in about 10 weeks. Like, Baker has it, right? He's, he's good enough to be an NFL quarterback. If you put the pieces around him, he's good enough to win. I think that's where Jordan Love is closer to than anything, is he would be good enough to win if we had to. I don't know if he's going to necessarily be a starting quarterback in the league for a long future. We didn't start with, you know, last year. Supposedly, and I was huge on Tua. Right. 
but we don't think Tua has it. Justin Herbert, not as huge on. Justin Herbert's a real player. So Joe Burrow's a real player. Like, we have comps, so I would be, like I said, good. I'm glad to hear that he's not Zach Wilson shitting all over himself. But on the other hand, I mean. Well, and, and in a lot of ways, though, too, and I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy, um, because of how the way that things had to be structured last year, especially with how uh, COVID was kind of running through the NFL, even it wasn't a typical training camp, from what I understand, from talking to people that I know in the media. It, it wasn't like he was getting the reps that he is getting now. But that doesn't mean anything, though, Justin it, it Herbert. It does, though. Justin and, Herbert was a starting quarterback last year. But he was getting the reps as a starting quarterback. He was Tyron getting the reps Taylor even in practice. was getting the starting quarterback reps. Justin Herbert didn't know he was starting until week one when they punctured his lung. So you can't, we can't have this excuse of quarterbacks at today saying, oh, they didn't get first-team reps. No, they didn't no I'm, I'm saying Jordan Love didn't get reps almost at all last year. He, but he still had, he's still been in the system for a year. I would hope. I, I would hope everything that he's at right now. I would hope that that's where he is. So I, I'm glad to hear that. Like that makes me feel better about the situation. I know it sounds kind of a negative light, but I didn't know if the guy could even play. Period. So if he's out there running plays, looking okay, like that's a big step for me. That I'm like, okay, I feel a lot better about that situation. Like I said, though, and even where he might be. I don't think he's going to be a superstar quarterback in the league. And that's okay, too. Like, you can win games, and you could potentially win a Super Bowl if you had the right pieces around you. Like, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, right? So you can, Eli Manning has two. You don't have to be a star quarterback to win a Super Bowl as long as you're competent and you can put pieces around. Right. I will... I'll I'll chime in here because I, I... I have a question. Okay. What on earth has made you come up to that decision? We have not seen him play a game. We didn't see him play a game last year, so we didn't see his starting point. Nobody saw the live reps, if he got many last year, to where he got live reps this year in practice. We haven't seen him get reps in a game. We don't know where he started. We don't know where he is, and we don't know where his future is. So where can we make the assumption today, Tuesday, before his Saturday debut, he's going to go out there as the starter. He's going to run with the ones, and we're going to get a true tell of where he is. And he's going to go against the number one defense, mostly, and then we'll get a true tell. But I don't know that any of us could sit here right now and say, well, he might be a winning quarterback, but is he going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? I just don't see it. We is that have, for me or for Ramsey? Have, for anybody. For anybody, really. It's, so, not, it's not directed towards anybody. We and, can't make that assumption yet. But I think we already know. And do you want to know why? I, I, that's my question. I, I can answer that question. If... If the Green Bay Packers organization, and I, I truly believe this to my core, if Jordan Love was the guy, they would not have dealt with Aaron Rodgers over the offseason. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, it wasn't that big of a deal, and Aaron was this, and this was that, and the Green Bay Packers as an organization would have moved on from Aaron 
Because we can't tell me that they didn't think he was disgruntled before the draft even. The Green Bay Packers had to know that, that he was somewhat disgruntled. Green Bay would not have put up with the bad publicity if Jordan Love was the guy. But Green Bay is the one that did the bad publicity. Right, but if, as soon as the bad publicity starts coming out, people get moved. That happens in the NFL. Like even um, Thomas, uh, Michael Thomas down in New Orleans right. is starting to ask for a trade now. Deshaun Watson is starting to ask for a trade. A lot of these teams don't put up with that necessarily. They, you're, they, you're, they move on. If Jordan Love is the guy, so for a football sense, you want to play your rookie quarterback right away. That's how the Super Bowls have been won the last few years and how after the new CBA was put through where you're locked in at a quarterback price and you can get them really cheap. So if you can get them to overplay their contract like Philadelphia did with Carson Wentz or like Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes, if you can get them to overplay their contract and you can put big pieces around them, kind of like Cleveland is doing with Baker Mayfield right now. Baker's still on the rookie contract. They can afford to put almost an all-star team around him. Like, I don't think any of us could argue that the Cleveland Browns today aren't one of the most talented rosters in the league. I mean, they're probably one to three. They're right there with Kansas City. Ooh. I think ESPN had them ranked at third or fourth. So that's not off topic, though, to say they're, they're a top five rated team. Roster-wise, yeah. Because you can put a bunch of pieces around Baker Mayfield. So if Green Bay truly thought that Jordan Love was the guy, and with Aaron's last season kind of threw a wrench in it, right? That was kind of, we all knew that was kind of part of the plan to move off Aaron this offseason. I truly believe Green Bay would have continued that plan if they truly thought Jordan Love was the next superstar. And I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good player. I don't think that he's the next big sensation in the league. I don't, I don't know that I agree that it was their plan. Well, I don't know that you sign Aaron Rodgers to the extension and then the next year draft his replacement. So then why would they draft like, the replacement? Why would they draft Jordan Love at that point? When to they have didn't... him sit for a couple years. But I go back to what I said, why are we letting quarterbacks sit? Quarterbacks don't sit anymore. They might sit for a very hey, short there, time. There are, there are franchises that do it different ways, whether we agree with it or not. There yeah, are franchises so, that do it different ways, sure. and you cannot argue that over the last 30 years, Green Bay has been the one of the winningest franchises in sport. Well, not winning. Selling they titles, do it. They do it their way. Yeah, sure. And they do it successfully. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that as of today, in 2021, we quarterbacks come and developed enough into the league where they don't necessarily need to say years. If they do, it's not, one. Not, not at 25. Not not at 24. What are you talking about? Were, were, they, drafted? were they drafted? Sure. Lamar were Jackson started right away. Justin, or, um, Jalen Hurts is starting at, in the second round pick. Dak Prescott started right away. That's not... We're, so we're going from a time where in the no. 90s, right? So when Aaron Rodgers is playing high school, elementary school football in the late 90s, coming in the early 2000s. We're talking about quarterbacks like Troy Aikman, who is considered an, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. He was completing 60% of his passes. Hall of Fame quarterback, right? If the quarterback's completing 60% of their passes today, that's looked at as like, oh, you're okay. 
I mean, that's quarterbacks today are coming out of schools pro ready. Joe Burrow starting quarterback year one. Trevor Lawrence is going to start this year year one. Justin Fields what will, did, will start what somewhere. Did jo- what did Josh Allen do his rookie year? He wasn't great, but he had talent, and you could see he had talent. He was raw, but he still played. So you just proved my point. We haven't seen whether Jordan Love has talent or not. They have not seen that in a game-like situation. For what it's worth, we cannot we cannot make that assumption right now. You can. He hasn't played. If he's not playing, we know something. <laughs> That's saying something. Not everything. Everything. They they drafted him knowing they were going to take him a red shirt year. Okay, he has red shirt year. They drafted knowing that they were not going to play him probably for three years. That yeah. was the fact of what they knew when but they drafted. See, him. I don't think that's the case. I think and Aaron Rodgers has come on... out on how many different occasions and said that he's not even pissed that okay, they drafted him. Okay, do you actually up. believe that though? Do you 100% actually believe? That? Sure, I can say I'm not pissed that this didn't happen at work today. Sure, I'm going to say that to everyone, but behind closed doors, I can, there. I can, I can 100, I can 100% argue that. He's probably not pissed that they drafted Jordan Love. He's probably pissed that they didn't talk to him about it first. Okay, but are you sure? How do we know that Aaron Rodgers isn't pissed about that? I, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm pissed about it. Because he's came out and said it okay. how many times? Sure, of course. He's going to say that to the media. Yes, he's going to say that. That is what quarterbacks do. I'm going to go on record here as saying that I don't think Aaron Rodgers really cares about what he says to the media. Um, if, if he was not happy with the situation. And, and the evidence actually shows... Of him talking to Jordan Love throughout the the even this disgruntlement here, um, right? And and coaching him up and and all that stuff that it was not a Jordan Love issue, um, but just to kind of get back here in into actual practice, I mean we can have this conversation. We've had this conversation, um, but I, I'm excited to see what he can do in a game situation. I'll say I that. am too. I'm gonna be watching Saturday night. I I will be at that game. Um, so I, I'm, I would almost bet he looks good on Saturday night. I would probably say he's probably going to look pretty good on Saturday night round ones. He probably will. That's probably going to happen. He's looked, like I said, he looked a lot better today. He looked a lot better Saturday, or Saturday than he did Tuesday. He looked a lot better today than he did Saturday. So Jordan Love, there's there's a lot of talent there. And I said this to, I said this in our group chat last week. And it's not, it's not like a great hot take. But the thing that's, I guess, really reassuring is he looks a lot more like Aaron Rodgers than he does Kurt Benkert. But again, I'd hope and, so. And you'd hope so. That's what he should right. be. But yeah. just the fact that you're seeing it and we're able to finally see it is very, you know, very settling given the whole situation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a Ramsey's radar real quick. Okay? Okay, Eric, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Go but ahead. I'm going to do a Ramsey's radar real quick. I think... Jordan Love's going to come out there and he's going to throw a dud. Ooh. See, I really do. I really do. So, in, and again, I don't want to, I'm going to hit back on this. I think that Jordan Love, he's going to run with ones, right? I think Jordan Love, and this is what I think he's going to be, and it's fine. I, this isn't necessarily, it's, it sounds like a criticism. It's not necessarily a criticism because not every quarterback that plays in the NFL is going to be a Hall of Famer, right? So me saying, I don't think Jordan Love is a bad player. I don't think that he's going to fail. I think that he's going to be an okay quarterback. He's going to be that. I think he's going to be somewhere between 15, 10 to 15 probably, 10 to 20. 
He's just not going to be the Hall of Fame expectation He's not going to be the have. Hall of Fame expectation that some Packer fans have. So I'm not necessarily saying that I think he's a bad quarterback. I just think that he's probably closer to what like Dak Prescott is, the Baker Mayfield conversations, the Kirk okay. Cousins. I think he's going to be that second tier down. I don't think – so in saying that, I, That's think fair. that I think that he can win games if you put the right pieces around him. So I don't think the Jordan Love thing is necessarily a fail, I, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think that he's going to be a fine quarterback. I just don't think that he's going to be. He's probably a guy that's going to be our quarterback for nine to ten years. And he's going to be okay. He's going to be serviceable. And I think that's yeah. okay. That's an okay place to be in the NFL. I, I go back to the point that I was kind of talking about Baker Mayfield is that's a perfect place to be if your quarterback is self-aware enough to realize that he needs help around him. And from what it seems, Jordan Love seems to be a smart guy. Like, he handled himself very well. I've never seen an interview where I'm like, ooh, that kind of came off in poor taste. Or, oh, that's kind of... So he, I think he's self-aware. I think he's smart. I think that he's... He, he has talent, right? We, no one can deny that. But I don't think he's the next Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's the next Brett Favre. I think he's closer to a Baker, right? I think, and I think that's probably a fair... I, so I guess let's not get too high or low on him. And I know I sound like I'm criticizing Jordan Love. I'm trying not to, but I, you know, it's not going to be a third Hall of Fame quarterback in a row. I think I, I I only say that I only say that Jordan Love's going to come out and throw a dud in this game because he's going to be running with the ones for the first time. He's going to be commanding the NFL offense in a game-like situation for the first time. He's going to be play clocking for the first time. And well, then he's going to have to – and a defensive coordinator with his ones is going to be doing so many different things that he's going to have to read and set offensive line adjustments to. And you got to remember, he's got a rookie center. He, you know, probably his top two running backs aren't going – his his top wide receiver is not going. So when you have all that happening, it's not it's not a mix for an ultra successful night. Maybe a dud is is not the right one, but it's not going to be this. I, I I think I'm more on the lines of what Ramsey's saying. It's probably a serviceable a serviceable to a low-end kind of game for him on Saturday night. I, I think it's going fine. I, but I remember, too, this is his first game in almost, what, 700 days? Right. I think I right. saw that number float right. out somewhere. So I'm not necessarily anticipating him to go out and light the world on fire. I don't necessarily think he's that guy. I think he's going to have amazing moments. I think he's going to have amazing um, stretches. Here's, here's he, what I'm going to say, having seen him three times now in practice. There are going to be moments that you're like, holy shit, like that just happened. Right. He's had plays like that in practice on a very consistent basis. Like I said, this the deep ball he hit to Tompkins today is one of the best deep balls I've ever seen. It, it, was, it floated perfectly. It led. It should have been a score. I think it would have been a score in a game. Um, they ruled it like at the nine-yard line just because it's no right. contact, it's whatever. Um, but you're going to see a lot of good moments. You're also going to see a lot of moments – or not a lot, but you're going to see moments where a ball's a little bit behind a receiver, and it's it's not gonna be it's gonna be on par with preseason football. Then it's gonna be on par with what we're used to seeing from a three-time MVP. But and that's okay. But it, it is gonna be there is an expect like I'm gonna be very blunt about that. 
there are going to be young guy moments where it's it's slow. Well, and we but we've seen that in his tape at Utah State that he had moments where you watch him and you go, "Wow, that guy is an NFL player." And then you have moments where you're like, "Oh, that guy's Ryan Fitzpatrick." Like there's the moments in between there. And I, like we've been saying, I think Jordan Love is talented. I do. He's first-round grade. And coming out in the draft, the year they came out, they were saying that he could go as high as, like, five. Mm-hmm. So I, he's obviously talented, and that's a pretty general consensus with everyone that I've talked to and heard talk about him is that he's talented. It's just it, when you have inconsistent moments, that doesn't tend to lead to a wonderful NFL career. When that's been the benefit of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is kind of a rhythm thrower as well. Kind of. Earlier in his career, he was more so. Right. And the difference is that when you're a rhythm thrower, you have to get into a rhythm. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but you have to play yourself into a rhythm. And even at Utah State, when you watch his highlights, it's one of those things where he plays himself into rhythm, but if he doesn't get there, it looks ugly. And and I will say this to to defend him on that is with Matt LaFleur's offense, that is a very I shouldn't say not a very good thing, but he's not in a bad spot to be no, with. That. He's probably in he's... the best situation for him. Because one thing I've seen a lot of this training camp, and this is even running with the ones with Aaron Rodgers, this is a very quick strike offense. You've seen a lot of quick strike, yep. and and hope I'm not giving away too much scouting information here, but it's a lot of quick strikes to the flat. It's a lot of cross routes and out and out routes to the sideline. Well, it's a Shanahan system, right? Any all the Shanahan's have been run the same thing since. You know, Law used to sleep with the run, quick short passes. Then all of a sudden, you have some quicker deep ball. Yep, and especially when you have a top flight quarterback, the Shanahan offense is one of the most beautiful things to watch in football. Like it. It truly is. It can be a work of art like we saw last year with Aaron Rodgers where he was... Deadly. Dangerous. Yeah, at any given second. You don't know. Kept the defense honest, right? So, like you were saying with Jordan Love, that's probably not a bad thing for him to be. He probably has the right coach fit. He probably has the right organization around him because they will always have a competent offensive line in front of him. Right. So if you are not world-class talent, as long as you have a competent offensive line in front of you, and a top 15 defense, you can win a lot of games in the National Football League. So, yeah, so that's, that's, the, that's the Jordan Love report that I have. Um, I know that we kind of wanted to focus on some of the position groups here. Uh, one of the more kind of probably the hottest watch position group outside that, you know, 12 and 10 is probably the wide receiver group. And at this point... I think the biggest question in terms of the battles is how many Green Bay wants to keep. Because we know that there's going to be locks. We know that Devontae is going to be on the team. That's not okay. so you debate. You've got Devontae. You've got Lazard. You've got Randall Cobb. And you've got Amari Rodgers. So you have four for sure that are stone-cold locks. You feel pretty confident with MVS. So I'd say even five. You have four stone-cold locks. You have five locks. The question is, are you keeping five? Are you keeping six and keeping only Funches? Do you go to six, or do you go to seven, excuse me, 
And the one that who has been the most impressive, he actually didn't practice today, but to this point in practice, it's been Jawan Winfrey. Um, undrafted guy. I, got, I think he played in the Denver system last year, if I'm not mistaken. But he has From been... Colorado, yeah. And he has been lights out this training camp. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins has been pretty decent too. But it, it's basically as to what Greenman wants to do. I think Malik Taylor... We'll end up on the practice squad as a guy um, they may bring up at some point in the season. Um, I think Equinemius St. Brown's days in Green Bay are, are done. Well, I think we knew that from last year. Right? We kind of talked about that like last week. We're pretty sure he's out the door. What does the Devin Funches contract look like if we cut him? I'd have to look is into that. that. Is that... It's, it's nothing. It's He's on like a league minimum. Okay. So you can just cut he's him on him like seven hundred and forty six thousand. You can you can cut like him that. if you choose to. You can look to see if you can get a trade partner for him. Maybe get like a fifth round draft pick or something like that. Devin Funches has looked good in camp, and and that's not surprising. Devin Funches has been running a lot with the ones and running a lot with uh, the twos. He's actually been and and again this is kind of as as he probably should be. He has really taken a, a role with Jordan Love, working with them in the one on ones. Which that, that's probably not a bad thing though either. He's a veteran receiver that's been around the league for a while. So so he I I think I can I would safely say he's probably making this team, and it's that really that seventh receiver. If if you feel confident, you can bring back a Winfrey, um, as one of those undrafted guys. But and and maybe keep him on practice squad or you know on the, on their expanded roster with the COVID or whatever. But. Uh, Devin Funches has looked really good in camp. He looked really good again on Saturday. He looked really good today. I think there is a very good role for him, and especially, I mean, you have um, you have Randall Cobb kind of taking that veteran role. You have Devontae, who's Devontae, and who's working a lot with Rodgers and Jordan Love today a lot too. Uh, so very good things to see there too. But um Devin Funches, I think, will have a very significant role with this team if they decide that that's the route they want to go to keep six or seven. Well, let me ask you, do you think uh, MVS is a trade bait kind of guy? He could be. I I don't think there's a guy that plays the role that MVS does, though, uh, on this team that they can replace him with, per se. Because he's really that true over-the-top. Is he in a contract here? I believe he is. I, th- I I would agree with that. I think that this is is this your this must this be your four. four. Yeah, so he has to be in a contract here. He will be a free agent in twenty twenty two. Look at us knowing our Packers, knowing the that's contract. Why he, <laughs> Look at that. That's why he might be. That's why he might be trade bait. Honestly, is well, because. So what's his worth though? I mean, I, I say that, and I'm not fourth or fifth round pick. Maybe I think so. I think no, much. no, you'd be lucky. And I, I, I kind of raised my eyebrows when you said a fourth or fifth round pick for Funches. If you get, if, if when you guys are, when we talk about camp cuts and 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 guys on the fringe, if you can get a sixth or or seventh and a future pick, maybe you're lucky to you're lucky to get that because you're just cutting that guy anyways. You're saving. You're, when you when teams do that, you're saving yourself from competing with other teams. You know what I mean. So you, if you get a fifth round pick, that's a that's a rarity. So, but I think the two the two most likely. I think you're right, Eric. I think it's MVS and I think it's Funches. 
and MVS might might have he's carved out a role as the deep threat guy. But MVS has shown a lot of growth it, this camp too. I want to say that, uh, like I said, I watched today more than I did last week. I watched that receiver group very closely today, and. In granted, look, a lot of it was a lot of it was love. A lot of it was Rogers. You know, both of them putting very well placed footballs to these guys. Kurt Bankert had some really good throws today too. Not that he's going to make this team, but um, just for what it's worth. I mean, he might though. But he'll make the practice squad. Yeah. Well, right, but that's what I'm saying. He's not going to be on the 53, the opening day 53, oh, barring an injury. Probably not. Yeah. Is it 53 or is it 58 again? Uh, either way. He's he's not going to be on that opening game roster barring right, a major okay. injury, um, but that matter that matters for that matters for in terms of if you're we keeping, want to talk about right. Today. So what I saw, uh, MVS again, you know, one thing we talked about last year was him growing that confidence, him him catching balls over the middle, not dropping some of those quote unquote easy catches, some of those. Uh, down in distance, you know, not having to be the, always just the the deep guy, kind of that Deshaun Jackson role, uh, but being able to be a very integral part of the offense. And to what his role would be on this team right now, I'm not quite sure. I mean, he's still going to be that over-the-top guy. He's still the speed guy. He's still the long, tall receiver. But the... In addition to that, I mean, you have Cobb, you have Amari Rogers, who, by the way, I'm pretty certain cannot drop anything. Amari Rogers, and he, him, and Jordan Love, and you know, I go back to Love, but him and Jordan Love have incredible chemistry, and and maybe that's just because they're two of the younger guys, and they're kind of getting, you know, they're two of the more talented guys working with the twos. But when you watch Amari Rogers, isn't it insane that he was held in the third round? It it really is, um, but again, it's kind of like one of those things where. You have a very good receiving core. Maybe not, you know, the 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 image you can always pay, think of as the Packers, where it's it's Jennings, Jones, Jordy, Cobb, Jermichael Finley. The, you know that you image have, that goes around. You but you have, have a five very starters, good wide receiver core right now. There's five starters on that team. I, I don't doubt that for a second. Hmm. And then after. Amari Rogers. I've heard Funches. nothing but rave reviews about Winfrey, though. Like, no, that's and and he, he lives up to that hype. He's a true wild card in this whole thing, right? Isn't he? He he really is. He's that. Like I said, you can justify six very easily. He's the one. He's the one where it's okay. Do they keep seven? Because they're not going to be as deep at running back this year. You got to remember, there's you're going to have Aaron oh. Jones. You're going to have AJ Dillon. You're going to have Kylan Hill. You don't necessarily have to have a fourth back. Yeah. You don't have Tyler Irvin around anymore. You don't have Tavon Austin around anymore. So maybe, you know, they, they've been using Amari Rodgers today as that jet sweep motion guy that kind of filled those two roles. Mm-hmm. And also him and Cobb have been the guys taking kicks right now and taking punts. So you kind of have that built-in role with a receiver who is going to be there either way. Right. So maybe you can afford to keep that that seventh receiver, because you're not going to have... I mean, Dexter Williams is kind of... And Patrick Taylor, no offense to either of those guys, but they're kind of on the outside looking in grand scheme of things. Well, that, that's not necessarily a shot to those guys, though. That's You're talking, like we said, five for sure receivers are going to make it. 
Five, right. Five for right. sure are locks. There's going to be five locks for sure. There's probably going to be a sixth. So you're talking that there's seven guys that they think are talented enough to play high minutes for the Green Bay Packers this year. Because every single one of those guys we named in the top five for sure are going to play big minutes. And, I mean, you can go six probably are With well. Funchess yeah, factor I mean, in too. So that's no, that's no not to those guys. It's just that that's a really deep position on this team. And oh, a receiver for the Packers always has been. Right. No, I, I, the, I'm, right, I'm excited for him. Amari Rodgers is he's a gamer. It'll too. be interesting to see what uh, Mr. Mr. Rodgers decides on, on whether to keep Winfrey or not. I'm excited to watch him on Saturday night. If there's a player I'm most excited to watch, most would probably say Jordan Love, but I think it's Winfrey. I want I want to see how he does. Well, he did, he was not practicing today. He did not. I believe he got hurt yesterday, so I don't know if he got if he didn't well, practice all day yesterday. Cut. But he was he's mentioned cut. by name by Matt Lafleur today. Um, he's gonna be cut. He, he can't make games. He's cut. So one other guy, like I said, I, I would consider watching would be uh, DeAndre Tompkins. Not that he's going to be part of that start, you know, that six or seven group, but very ta- talented guy who's who made who's made a lot of plays in practice to this point. Uh, I'm going to be really curious to see EQ to try to fight back, but he's also out again with injury today. Um, uh, he's got to be Malik Taylor has so- been. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's also going to be another little interesting battle. Is is that Tompkins and Taylor? Probably, do you think they keep both of them on the practice squad, or you know, that's kind of a big question there. But so, oh, it's just a thought. No, I I don't have a thought on that. I mean, just I mean, both of them have had their moments, but you kind of going back to what you know, the competition that is at receiver. Like I said, it's it's not necessarily a competition. It's how many does Green Bay want to keep? Because after after Winfrey, in my opinion, there's a very sizable gap from Winfrey to Taylor and EQ and Reggie Bagleton, who's back in camp, and and it really goes from there. And Tomkins Tomkins is probably ahead of Taylor in my book from what I have seen in practice. And I want to make that very clear from how they've been used in practice. I'm not the scout. I don't, you know, I don't have the grading scale per se, but it'd be interesting to see what Mason says. Yeah, I was really kind of bummed because I I didn't get a chance to talk. I talked to him via text message last week. He did not uh, make it to camp today. I was really kind of looking forward to talk a little shop with him about that, kind of get a little teaser for when we have him back on here before the season starts. But, But you can tell, I mean, like I said, the eye test says there's the gap there. It's like Winfrey... Tompkins has been used more than Taylor and he's a little more versatile, especially like in special teams and things like that. So I guess that would be kind of where I would give you an inside inside scoop. But you saying that that's probably where I, I probably would have put the line around that area too, though, right? Like that's right. probably that makes sense. Like there's how good does it feel though to know that the Packers are potentially five solid guys deep. So if you did have an injury to a Devante has been known to not necessarily injury prone, but has been dinged up a few times in his career. Right. How much more comfortable does that make you feel with having a deep group where a, you're not sitting last year where where your third or fourth receiver became your one? 
Right, and you're kind of hoping that Devontae stays healthy, and it makes it. And I guess so. Even with Randall Cobb coming back, that's a big just security blanket if that were to happen. Because I do think Green Bay at times last year was super Devontae dependent. Right. And if that's not necessarily the case, like obviously you want Devontae to have your ball, but you don't want to have Devontae have an injury and then all of a sudden be the only guy. Yeah. And that's kind of how it's been for the last few years. But I do think a lot of these guys have been stepping up, like Alan Lazard, obviously, at the end of last year. And even through training camp, I've heard good things. So yeah, He's had a solid camp. I mean, you know, nothing that really stands out, per se, from the two and I have really three practices I've seen. But nothing that like is concerning either, where you're like, oh, my God, this guy might not be it right now. Um, so from that perspective, I would feel pretty confident in – in that group. Um, the other one we wanted to talk about was the cornerback position. And this is a little bit harder to judge because, I mean, the defense as a whole has looked really good this camp. And I, I want to make that, you know, I said in the group chat and, and I kind of got some shit for it, but Joe Barry, I think, again, this is without any game footage. I'm going to take back a lot of the bad things I said about Joe Barry. Joe Barry brings a very high energy, hands-on, defensive feel to these guys where they have embraced him. I mean, like if you had been to camp two years ago, can't say last year because no one went to camp except the media. Um, but if you remember, Mike Pettin was very hands-off. He was very stoic, kind of polar opposite of what we saw from, say, Matt LaFleur and the offensive staff. Joe Barry has fit that role and, and blends in with that very well. Um, his, his assistant coordinator, I can't remember what his name is, it's escaping me. He's a guy who, he's the DB coach though, um, has been really, you can see just a pep in the step of the cornerbacks and the linebackers he works with. And it's just, it's a lot different. There's a higher energy to practice in that group, in those two groups and, and the defense and, and Joe Barry is, I, I, where I sat today, it's on the far side of the field. If you're from like where the rush is, where players enter. Um, it's more towards the Grammy Distillery side of things. But it was it, he was hands-on. He was participating in the drills. He was, you know, all that stuff. Uh, the the kind of the concerns I had about him being just another retread guy doesn't really seem to be the case with the energy he's brought to Green Bay. And I think that's exactly what this defense needed in a lot of ways. So you've seen, I mean, Josh Jackson continues to kind of be one of those guys that probably – could be a cap or you know a camp casualty. Um, Eric Stokes has he's looked like a rookie. I mean, you've seen him show a lot of good with the speed and a lot of the um, a lot of the things he's made up. He's gotten a lot of work with the ones, especially with Kevin King going down to injury again. Shocker, six million dollars, whatever. Um, but at the same time, just to kind of counter that too. <laughs> Um, you've seen a lot of growth with guys. And, and Jair Alexander, I mean, this guy's already elite. Jair Alexander has added being even more of a ball hawk. So uh, this is a little shot to national media. Can we stop talking about Jalen Ramsey? Yes. Like, this, Jair is a better defensive back. I've watched Jalen Ramsey three or four times last year. Jair is better. And the thing that kind of really gives me good hope for this defense, and I didn't get the chance to say this in the group chat, I didn't want to. I wanted to give you guys this live reaction. The ones offense has struggled at times with this defense. 
And I don't know if that's just maybe some rust from the offseason or if that's the fact that, I mean, the two practices that I've seen, the three practices, the number one offense did not score in the two-minute drill. Offense, though, is a very much more of a timing thing than defense is. Right. No, you usually see and defense first, the offense so gets that, it throughout that the season. That doesn't me. But I think that's very, you know, considering a couple of years ago even – where it's no sweat, Rogers is going to walk on the two-minute drill of practice, and and they're going to score. And you know that just, it speaks to the greatness of Aaron Rodgers and that offense. But also, you know, yes, they were statistically a top ten defense last year. But you're kind of finally seeing that maximized. Like we said, does Mike Pettin get the best out of his team? We said that about Mike Budenholzer as the Bucks coach. Does this guy get the best out of his team? Petten, I don't think did. I agree with that. And Joe Barry, to this point, you know, two weeks in a practice has. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I it's felt practice. about it. He's supposed to look good. I, and I said this in the group chat specifically. We'll know by about week twelve, and we probably won't know until that point. Because even right now, they're probably not running overly complex schemes on defense. Right. It's very vanilla. It's very one-on-one based. And that's, that's so. And honestly, probably the biggest point in the NFL isn't necessarily on how good of a coach you are. It's how good of a how good how good you are making adjustments. Right. Right. So sure, he can look great in practice and he's supposed to. And even when This uh, is a thing we won't know until the regular season. The the training the preseason is not gonna have any indication of this. And but, we probably won't even know till but, I mean, teams don't really start putting the really complex stuff in until usually around week eight. So we're probably not, like I said, week 12. We'll see what the Packers' defense is, and that'd probably be a fairly good sample size at that point. But there's a lot more to be excited about right now than there has been in years past. That's what I will say. It's the same team. I'm pretty sure it's the same level of excitement. Different philosophies, different energy. Sort of. Maximizing different guys. I, I am I am happy that guys. Mike Patton is gone for uh, obvious reasons that I've definitely stated on the podcast before. So I do think that's an improvement, and I think really a success at a top ten defense. I think that I think we all agree that if they're a top ten defense, they're probably a Super Bowl contender, right? Right. Because their offense is going to be where it is. It might not be as good as last year, but it'll. It'll be a top eight offense just with who's there and what's coming back. So top 15, top 10 defense, top eight offense, you're a Super Bowl contender at that point. Yeah. Justin, any quick thoughts here? Totally agree. I, I totally agree. If the offense kind of repeats what they did last year and, and, and the offensive line could even be better than what, a, what it was last year, um, and then, you know, we're so deep offensively. If Joe Barry can really, really bring an aggressive style and attacking defense that really makes a, a, an opposing coach come up with a, a, a totally different strategy than normal. I think you're right, Ramsey. I think that they are definitely a Super Bowl contender. But if Joe Barry is 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 in the Matt Polly uh description of track record as the 28th or the 30th ranked defense they're they're in trouble so 
it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm excited. All right, so boys, with that, we wrap up the show with what we always do. Real quick here, what are we rooting for this coming week? We're not allowed to say Packers, Craft. You can go ahead and say Packers. No. But okay. What are you rooting for, Rams? Uh, NASCAR is over in Indianapolis, which my personal favorite track. I'm heartbroken I'm not down there coming up this weekend. But uh, they're going to run the road course. It's going to be so big weekend of racing again. I believe IMSA's on in the morning. You're going to have, on Saturday, you're going to have Nation or Xfinity and IndyCar run the road course, and you're going to have Cup on Sunday. So if you're a racing fan, tune into NBC, check the app, just pay attention. They're going to have racing on literally all day, all weekend. Justin? Packers. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a battle crowd. We couldn't say I love, Packers. I love it. I love I love that I I love this part of it because I love watching the the guys that don't normally get reps. Um, I'm interested to see that that battle for the third running back. I'm interested to see uh, how our rookie center is going to do. Elton Jenkins might get a look at left tackle. Um, we've got. Uh, Devondre Campbell, the inside linebacker that has had rave reviews uh, throughout camp, he he might turn out to be a real steal. Um, so there, there's a lot of storylines to follow. So it's not necessarily the Packers; it's the position battles, and and there's even a position battle for the holder position. Eric, did you hear this? Yeah, Jordan yeah. Love is making a run. On <laughs> uh, J.K. Scott's the uh, position, you this know what's gonna be really this cool? This is a hotly contested position battle. I want to give you guys one quick spoiler here. There is going to be a kicker playing in this Sun- Saturday's game, wearing number thirty-five for the Green Bay Packers. Oh yeah. So, I'm also gonna take the Packers for a different reason. Um, I will be at the game Saturday, and I am over the moon excited to kind of just be back in that. Uh, I'll be at Greenwood Distillery before the game with the radio station. Uh, so just kind of getting back into that that normal feel of things, taking Sean to the game. Uh, so we will be at the debut of Jordan Love uh, to the Lambeau Faithful. So real excited for that and the return of all that. So with that, just one quick other note here I, I do want to mention. Go to our Facebook page um, if you have, and I'm sure most of our listening base has heard this, and, and seen it all over Facebook, but uh, there's a very special Gillette uh, citizen who is battling the hell out of cancer right now, uh, formerly known as Rachel Peterson. I don't know what her, her married name, last name is. I, I just know her as Rachel Peterson. Um, but as a show, we want to send our thoughts and prayers and, and actually help you know do what we can to help. They have a 5K uh, coming up to send you know help send her to get experimental treatment uh, for her cancer fight in Mexico. There's also a GoFundMe page and some other links if you don't want to take the GoFundMe route. We are going to be helping sponsor the 5K. Uh, we've been in talks with that. I know Justin and uh, your wife, Katie, is pretty heavily involved in that right now, too. Um, so just want to like, send the word out there. Uh, thoughts and prayers to Rachel, her family, everything kind of going on that they're battling right now. And do if you can, you know, we're contributing. Um, you know, please help out with a very special family in the Jillette area. With that, Justin, anything to add? 
Yeah, no, just a great cause. I think you said it well, Eric. Um, just a, a, a tough young lady. She she was uh, just slightly before my time in, in coaching Gillett um, on the basketball team. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where I, I, I caught a glimpse of her in my time as a coach. And a terrific young lady. Um, I hope I hope we can do it. I hope our fans can do whatever they can to help support her um, in, in this tough battle. So uh, just go out and support the family, it, support the great cause. It's a, it's just a great deal. So, so we will have links Thanks, on our, guys. we'll have links on our Facebook page for the GoFundMe page and the 5k. Uh, like I said, if you can, please help out. You know, if not, you know, do what you can to pass the word along too. Yeah, share it goes a long way. So yeah. I, I know that at this point, I'm thinking on the GoFundMe, they're almost to the $50,000 goal that they had. I think they're at four, almost 40000 if not surpassed that. It's crazy, because last I looked, it was at thirty-seven. Yeah. last night, so. So do what you can, if, if you can, you know, um, you know, don't want to put anybody in, in financial ruin. Uh, they, if they can't afford to help, I don't want to shame anybody if they can't afford to help, but um, terrific family that just want to pass that word along. So. With that, that's the Root for Wisconsin show. Episode 35 is in the books. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. That's Justin. We're out. See ya. Bye. Salute.